Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship of Huntsville. And um, if you are visiting with, with us this morning, we'd love to get to know you, get a little information. There should be a card, a connection card underneath the chair in front of you. You can fill that out. Either send it to us electronically or you can drop it in the box in the back. And the box in the back is also where we take offerings. And also, uh, we're also going to take uh, protest notes for um, daylight savings. <clears throat> so I don't know which way you like it, if you like it the other way or this way or whatever. But you know that the U.S. is getting closer to doing away with this nonsense. But um, wherever you stand with this conformity to this rule that we um, voluntarily follow, I think like Phoenix, which doesn't acknowledge this, um, it should be Fellowship of Huntsville, too. So I don't know how you guys will get along business-wise and in life, but I think we should uh, just suffer through it and just protest the whole nation. <laughs> Fellowship of Huntsville is not going to abide by this anymore. That's all a joke. So anyway, have a good day with your loss of hour, and uh, may you enjoy the beautifulness of God's creation, and obviously the time to worship Him and uh, His Word and His truth. Um, so we are going to turn to uh, Mark chapter 1. We are in John chapter 1, but uh, CF is looking at essentially who God is in many different aspects, and so he's moving into different parts of Scripture and covering it very well. And uh, so we're going to, or he's going to be reading out of two different um, stories in Mark chapter 1. The first one is uh, verse 29. So Mark chapter 1, verse 29, 30, and 31. And then we're going to jump to verse 40 after we get done with this story here. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, but Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. And so he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. Jump down to verse 40. It says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with, with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer, uh, and, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the stories of miracles, even though a small number compared to what you've done. But these stories and how they exemplify who you are and your truth. And Lord, I pray that that will be made known to our hearts and minds this morning. I also pray for CF and for truth to be spoken through him. And Lord, that we will receive it and worship you. And we say this in your name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. If you'd open your Bibles, let's go look at John 1, 1, first of all, because we are doing a study through John. And what I'm doing 
John is going <clears> to <throat> present Christ as God and make it very clear. And in his opening statement there in 1.1, 1, 1, he said, in the beginning was the word. And the word there for word is the word lagos. Lagos means not just the word that is spoken, but the, the, the purpose and intent behind the word also. So he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Lagos was God. Then he goes on in verse 14, and he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What that tells us is that Jesus was incarnated. He put on human flesh. Human flesh without sin dwelt among us. And his purpose was to explain to us what the Father is like. He gave us a clear picture of God. And so what I'm wanting to do in this opening verse is to just jump ahead and look at examples of how Jesus demonstrated his deity. And in the title, you know, we had the word deity up there. And what that simply means is, is the, is the God-like character that he displays. The fact that he is fully God, that he possesses all the attributes and characteristics of God. And so we're going to look at it on the front end. And then as we go through John, you'll see it unfold in, in greater detail. And uh, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So we're going to look this morning at, at another aspect of Christ. And that aspect is this, that Christ demonstrated and had power over disease. We looked last week that he had power over nature. And so this week, we're going to see how he has power over disease. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, go to Mark chapter 1. And that is going to be our starting point for the message today. We're going to look at his introduction to healing. And then we're going to look at him healing a leper. So before we do so, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you in prayer and thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather here and to hear your word taught. I pray for your divine guidance and direction as I teach, that you would keep me from error. Help me to explain your word clearly and accurately. Pray that your people would receive it and that we obey and follow you in all that we do. So, Lord, we give you this time and ask that your will be done. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you look there in verse 29 of chapter 1 of Mark, we see an introduction to his healing. It says, now as soon as they'd come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon there is Peter. And Simon's wife's mother <clears throat> lay sick with a fever. And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she served them. Mark is real big on using the word immediately. This was not a process healing. It did not take time. It was instantaneous. She was struck with a fever, incapacitated by that fever. And when Jesus picked her into his arms, she was immediately healed and got up and, and started serving them. Jesus went on and did many other healing in that area. He said, now at the evening, 
When the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. <clears throat> now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. And we come to our text. Then a leper came to him. Jesus is going about healing. And I told you last week, week before, the purpose of healing on the part of Jesus was to authenticate the message that he was bringing. He was bringing a message that he is the son of God, that he is very God come in the flesh. Uh, he, he spoke about how he had power to forgive sin. And words are easy to say. Because anyone could come along at the time of Christ and say they were Christ. As a matter of fact, many people did. But Jesus authenticated his message by performing the healings that took place. So his healings, these miracles of healings, were not meant to draw a crowd. They were meant to verify or validate the claims that he made. They were to validate the message that he spoke. And so you see him heal in a lot of different ways. We get to the passage in verse 40, and it says, Then a leper came to him. Now, leprosy in the Bible was something that was very common in that day and time. Matter of fact, if you go back in the Old Testament, when, when God gave uh, Moses the law for the children of Israel, the entire chapter 13 and chapter 14 of Leviticus covers laws related to the leper. So it was a very common disease. The commonality of that disease lasted all the way up into the time of Christ and even beyond. Leprosy today is not as common as it was in that day, but it was a major issue then, no doubt about it. The word that leper comes from, or leprosy comes from, is a root word Leprous. And the root word leprous means scale, is what it means. So leprosy is thought to have been some type of debilitating scaly disease that afflicted people. Uh, a very advanced state of psoriasis or something of that sort. Uh, the closest thing to it today would be referred to as Hansen's disease. But leprosy in the day of Christ also destroyed the nerves in a person's body. And so what would happen is the, the nerves in the fingers in particular, in the toes, and sometimes facial features, the nerve, uh, the capability of the nervous system was depleted, and those portions of the body would die and begin to fall off. Um, you can read extra biblical writings where it talks about leprosy, and that many of the people didn't, did no longer have fingers on their hands. They would not have toes. 
They would uh, have distorted facial features and then the lesions that broke out many times would erupt and you get the picture. I'm not gonna go into all the, I, I looked it up and it is not a pretty sight. A leper was an outcast of that society. According to the law of God, when a person had leprosy, they had to separate themselves from the rest of the people and they had to live in an area of seclusion. They had to tear their clothing to where their clothing would be ripped. So you could look and you could see a leper uh, on the outskirts of town and you knew that person had leprosy. Apparently it was a very infectious disease. So if you came in contact with a leper, there was a good chance you were gonna get leprosy. Um, it's it pretty certain. It also says in the law that a leper had to put his hand to his mustache. It'd be like this. And he had to shout, unclean, unclean. And that was to warn people to stay away from him. All right. So these people were not in their natural state supposed to be mingling with the, with the rest of the folks. And so that kind of gives you a background for when you get to verse 40. It says, then a leper came to him. That right there is so contrary to their culture. A leper would not approach anyone. A leper was to move away from people and shout that they were unclean. But in this case, in the case with Christ, he comes to Christ. What you don't have in the text is the gasp of the people in the crowd. Because you got this mass of people and this leper's breaking through the crowd and you could hear the murmur of the people, there's a leper, there's a leper. And he just cuts his way through the crowd and comes right up to Jesus. He came to him and look what he does. It says, imploring him, pleading with him, begging with him, he kneels down in front of him and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you were to look at the passage in Luke, the parallel passage, which is in Luke chapter 8, the leper calls him Lord. In Matthew 8, he calls him Lord and he bows down, recognizing his authority. So many people think this leper may have been a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Very strong likelihood. He had heard about Jesus. He understood who Jesus was. And so he approaches him with this horrendous disease of leprosy. Another par parallel of leprosy in the Bible is leprosy is a picture of sin. It's often used in that, in that sense or that parallel. In this, in this way, leprosy defiled people, okay? <coughs> leprosy would infect everyone that came into contact with it, and there was no ability for man to cure leprosy. And that's a very strong parallel with sin. Sin defiles man. Sin will also infect other people. And sin is something that man has no power to get rid of. The only one that can deliver man from sin is God. And in that day and time, the only one that could deliver a man from leprosy was God. There are not many recorded cases of people being cured of leprosy. There are examples of miracles where it was done. For example, where uh, 
Uh, Naaman the Syrian was cured of it by miracle. Uh, Moses uh, cured uh, a woman of leprosy. But you see Jesus do it numerous times in Scripture. He heals people from leprosy. And so this leper comes to him and note, he recognizes the divine prerogative of Christ. He says, if you are willing, he's desperate, he's reverent, he's worshipful, he has humility, he has faith and he has respect for the person of Christ. And he bows down before him and the crowd has gathered around and they're watching this. And then we see the compassion of Christ. Look at it in verse 41. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put out his hand. That is an attribute of God right there. God has compassion. God has pity. And God shows mercy to people that are in need. In this case, it's a man that's been separated from society, that has been isolated. He's in intense suffering. And he's also uh, got a, a lot of humiliation because of what he has. People looked down on lepers. They were, they were thought of as, and they were ceremonially unclean, but they were viewed as the uh, outcast of society. They were the rejects of society. They were the people that no one wanted anything to do with. They were the filth, so to speak, among the people. But Jesus is moved with compassion. Even though this man is violating what the law said, Jesus is still demonstrating compassion. And look what he does. He puts out his hand and he touched him. There's one thing in that day and age you did not do. You did not touch a leper. Because you, in essence, would get leprosy. But Jesus, in that act, demonstrates his power over disease. And then when the man is healed, it even further demonstrates the power that Jesus Christ had over disease and the condition this man had. Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed. And so the man was, was instantaneously cleansed. If his fingers had fallen off and nose, uh, things such as that, toes, Bam, just like that, they're back on and his skin is perfect. And that would be a shock to those people. As soon as he had spoken, verse 43, immediately the leprosy left him. So it's gone and the man is cleansed. He is in perfect condition. And so everyone around there sees this and it is a strong demonstration of the power of Christ and the fact that he is God because he delivers a man from a disease that no man could deliver one from and every man was fearful of. Every person in that day and age was terrified of leprosy because it meant instant separation from your family and those that you love and your friends, you were alone. The only people you could commune with would be other lepers in the town. And so Jesus heals this man and he does it in an immediate sense. And then we see a shift in the story in verse 43. It says, and he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. 
That, that, those words strictly warned are, are very unique in Scripture. The literal interpretation of those words means he snorted. That's what it means. So he's kind of like, I'll tell you what, don't you go around it. You know what I mean? He, he's being forceful in what he's saying. He, he's not just saying, hey, listen, don't go around anyone. He's not doing that. He's putting it in a forceful manner. He's emphasizing it. Don't go tell anyone. And people a lot of times ask the question, why would Jesus tell this leper to not go tell anyone? Why would he do that? Because he is perfectly at freedom to do that. That's the easiest answer I can give you. Jesus doesn't conform to what we think needs to be done. He does what he wants to do. And he gives this man a very simple command, a negative command, don't go tell other people. And then he gives him what we could consider a positive command. He says, don't do this, but do this right here. And that's in verse 44. He said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So to see what those things are, turn with me, if you would, to Leviticus 14. Now, Leviticus is probably a book that you don't do too many devotions in, I'll be willing to bet. <laughs> it's one of those books that we don't tap into very often. But in this book, it tells you what they had to do when they were cleansed from leprosy. And I'm going to read just a portion of it, but you'll get an idea of how detailed this was. Okay? It says, verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper. For the day of his cleansing, he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him, who is to be cleansed, two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. And as for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all of his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp. See, this is all outside the camp. Once he's done all that, then he gets to come into the camp. And he shall say, outside his tent for seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all the hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows. All of his hair he shall shave off his body. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. 
Part of the reason to remove the hair was to where he could make sure there wasn't leprosy underneath the hair, okay? Then on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering, the log of oil, and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of his right ear of him who is to be cleansed. On the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the trespass offering. That is a lot of stuff to do, folks. I'm telling you, it was a major ritual that was to take place. But Jesus had a reason for him doing that. Number one, it is what the law commanded. And so Jesus said, you're going to keep the law. I'm back in Mark now. And he said, you're going to keep the law. You're going to do what the law commands. And so he says in verse 44, offer yourself, uh, offer your cleansing, offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded. But he says some key words there as a testimony to them. What does that mean as a testimony to them? The purpose that Jesus had was for this man who had been cleansed to go before the priest and the priest would be forced to declare that the man was cleansed and that Jesus was the one that did it. See, it was a testimony that the priest would have to validate the work of God in the life of Christ, therefore equating Christ with God. But look what the man does. Verse 45, it says, but he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter. That's what most of us would want to do. Something good happens in your life, you want to go out and tell everybody. And so that guy would have wanted to go tell everyone. And so a lot of people look at Jesus like, why wouldn't Jesus want him to do that? I don't understand this. Well, it says... He went out and spread the matter and look what the consequences. So that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every quarter. You see the flip on this story? Here is a leper who is an outcast who can't come into the city, who is considered unclean, who has to live in deserted areas, he comes to Jesus and Jesus heals him. 
Now Jesus can't come into the open city. He has to dwell in the outskirts of town. The whole scenario is flipped around because of this man's disobedience. And Jesus asked something very simple. He says, don't tell anyone. Go to Moses and offer the things that you should, that you should offer. And the man disobeys him. The man disobeys him. Even though he started out well, he doesn't finish well. But I think one of the things this passage should teach us is obedience to what God tells us to do. No matter how insignificant it may seem to us, obedience is a very important part of our Christian walk. God tells us many things in Scripture. And we are quick to, to be like this leper, to say, Lord, and to humble ourselves before him and to worship him. But the real issue is, do we take and live in obedience to him in our life every day? That's one of the underlying truths. And Jesus did this on many occasions. If you want to turn in your Bible, go to, go to Mark chapter 3. And if you look at Mark chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 7, it says, But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idiom and beyond the Jordan and from Tyre and Sidon. A great multitude when they heard how many things he was doing, they came to him and he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they would crush him. For he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. He did not want the word going out. Chapter 5, verse 43. If you look in chapter 5, verse 43, this is after he heals Jairus' daughter. I'm going to go to verse 42, back up to 42. Immediately the girl rose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. So yet again he tells them, don't go tell anyone. Chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus makes a similar thing. This is where a man who is deaf and dumb is healed. And it says, uh, verse 35, it says, immediately his ears were opened and the, Im the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Then he, Jesus, commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. Chapter 8, verse 25. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. So Jesus, on numerous occasions, forbid people from telling others about the miracle that he had done. He had his purposes and reasons for it. And you see it at the end of our text today is that so many people followed Jesus for what he could do for them 
few of them were interested in who he was. And see, the reality is this. Many people follow God and seek after God and worship God for what God can do for them. But when it comes to obedience in our life, we don't want any part of that. You see the irony in that? That is so true many times in our life. We're quick when we get sick to drop to our knees and say, God, heal, heal me from this. Cure me from this. Let the test come back negative. And then we don't live in obedience to him. God is concerned with our obedience and wants our obedience. He even tells them in other places. Look in Luke chapter 6. I'm going to show you a passage in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 43. Jesus says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? In other words, why do you claim my lordship, but you live in disobedience to me? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who has dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the run of the house was great. What is he telling us there? He's telling us the importance of obedience is what we live and build our life upon. Obedience to who Christ is is very important in life. Yes, the gist of our story is that Jesus is God because he heals a disease that no one else could heal. He touches a man with an infectious disease and it has no ability to affect him. And we can clearly see that he is God. And yet, even though that man experienced that healing, he experienced a miracle of God in his life, he goes right out and is disobedient to what God tells him to do. And it gives us a clear picture of what our leprosy is like. Amen. The sin of our heart. And how even though God can do miraculous things in our life, such as taking a dead man and bringing life into him, which he has done to every one of you in here today if you know Christ by faith. He took a person dead in trespasses and sin and breathed into you the breath of life and put his spirit in you. And he says, if you love me, obey me. That's how we demonstrate our love for God. Not with our mouth, but with our life. Amen. Our life reveals the degree of love with which we have with God. The degree to which we and how we treat other people reveals our love for God. Amen. God tells us to forgive one another. Do we obey God? Mm -hmm. God tells us to go forth and make disciples. Do we obey God? See, there's so many things that God sets forth in the scripture that he desires obedience from our life. But many times we're just like this leper. We forget to obey even though God is faithful to do his part. You know what it shows us? It shows us how truly sinful we are. Every one of us. 
because I preach to you. I, so, I, I suffer and struggle with the same things you do. And that is obeying God in what we consider the little things in life. Don't go tell anyone, but go to the priest. Boom, he busts out of there and runs around the country. Doesn't go to the priest, but goes tells everyone. He does just the opposite of what God says do. And many times that's how we do in our own life. And you know, another kind of play on this story here is that leprosy is a type of illustration of sin. And when you think about it, think about this, that Jesus took our leprosy, our sin upon himself. And it separated him. He died on that cross. And everyone in the scripture says forsook him. He died on that hill. He bore our sin and died in our place. He took what was killing us and put it upon himself. And so just like that leper, you and I have been healed of our leprosy. And God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey me. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and yet you do not do the things that I tell you to do? We need to be cautious in our life that we pay attention to what we're doing in our life. That we are, in fact, following him by faith because, folks, he is very God. He demonstrates this. Last week we saw where he demonstrated power over nature. This week, power over disease that man had no ability to, to do anything about. And yet this man is told to do one little act or two little acts of obedience. Don't talk about it and go see Moses. And he fails to do it. And as a result of it, multitudes become start coming to Jesus where it's so crowded. He can't do ministry anymore. It's so bad that as we saw last week, he had to get out in a boat and speak back at the crowd. They were pushing him into the water. And he says, over and over in Scripture, we see that happening in the ministry of Christ. Throngs of people following him, not because of who he is, but because of what he can do for them. We're going to see in John 6 later on, he says, you people come to me just because you're hungry. See, he fed them fish and loaves and stuff, and he instructed them. And he says, you're not coming to me because you want to know the things of God. You're coming to me because you're hungry. And many times, just like this leper, we get hung up on the superficial surface things and we fail to obey God in our life. I think that's one of the things we can get from the text. It's a side feature of the text. It fits centrally in the text that we looked at. The main thing we're looking at here is that Jesus heals this man, restores him and makes him whole. And that demonstrates the power of God. But at the same time, God gives very simple commands on what to do, and the man fails to do it. I could be pretty hard on this old leper. And I could, and I could, and I could put some judgment on him and condemn him. But if I did so, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be looking in the mirror. I'd be condemning myself because in that I condemn him, I'm guilty of the same. And we are too. And so we need to walk with humility before God and live in obedience to what God tells us to do 
even in what we consider to be the small and insignificant things in life. Because God says, you demonstrate your love by following my command. You demonstrate your love through obedience. And God wants us to do that. Let's pray. Father, we come before your throne in prayer and we thank you, God, for all that you've done. We, we thank you, God, for all your many blessings in his life, for your goodness that you have shown us, for your kindness that you've given us. And Lord, just like this leper, many times we're oblivious to the little things that you want us to do. We ignore them. We shove them aside. We put our agenda, our desires, our wants first and put your desires second. Lord, might we walk in humility, be willing to confess our sin and be made truly whole as we walk in obedience to you. Lord, we thank you for your witness and for your love for us and that you are a God of great compassion. But Father, let us be children of obedience and let us follow you as our Lord. Father, I pray if there's one here today that has never been cleansed, of their sin, that they might look to Jesus today to be cleansed. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.